Well, I hate to do such a thing on what we've sometimes attempted to make positive Thursdays. Uh, This is the least positive story we've come across in a long time. This is uh, thorough corroboration of the lack of moral and ethical clarity in the country. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's not that we're losing it. It's gone from a large segment of the population. It's just, it's vanished. Uh, I'll give you a brief verbal setup, then we'll take you to, uh, it's audio from an NBC news station in Miami, I believe. Yes. Uh, The accused Parkland high school shooter, Nicholas Cruz, is receiving love letters and fan mail and also uh, money for his commissary account, for him to buy food and what have you. But let's let's listen to the news account, and then I'll fill in what that might not have. Live in Fort Lauderdale tonight with this twisted sense of allegiance to an accused murderer, Johnny. Yeah, good evening, Juwan and Trina. That's right. Many young girls and women have been writing letters to Cruz about their attraction for him. He's also been receiving letters of support from both men and women from around the country. And this is not only a concern for prosecutors, but also the public defender's office. Sifting through the Internet, a number of Nicholas Cruz fan pages can be found. An unusual following for an accused masked killer, like this Nicholas Cruz fan page on Tumblr. The owner writing, I do not support what he did. I just have the opinion of him being cute and adorable. On another page, this picture was drawn adoring the 19-year-old after the shooting at Stoneman Douglas High School that left 17 dead. Cruz now sitting behind bars at the Broward County Jail awaiting trial for murder. Prosecutors presenting their concern about the cult following during a hearing for Cruz's brother last week, who was arrested for trespassing on Stoneman Douglas property. As far as present contact and probably most concerning is his contact that he has had with his brother in the jail since his incarceration, where he has been heard and observed discussing how popular his brother is now, that his face is everywhere and his name is national. There is discussion of starting some sort of pen pal or fan club and how many girls he's capable of attracting. Broward County Public Defender Howard Finkelstein, whose office represents Cruz, telling the Sun Sentinel their office has been flooded with fan mail and love letters for Cruz. Piles of letters, something he says he has never seen in his 40 years as a public defender. The Sentinel reporting that Cruz has not seen the letters because he's on suicide watch in the jail. And Finkelstein saying they have no plans on showing him the fan letters of support and provocative suggestions. But Cruz has received hundreds of dollars while in jail. NBC6 received this account activity ledger that shows Cruz has gotten at least $630. And the Broward County Public Defender saying the growing support is becoming a concern for him because he worries that, quote, everyday boys and girls are starting to look up to Cruz's fame and notoriety. Reporting live from the Broward County Jail, Johnny Archer, NBC6 News. Very bizarre. The South Florida Sun Sentinel reports it obtained copies of some of the correspondence, including greeting cards, letters, and photographs sent to Cruz. Cruz's commissary account has received hundreds of dollars in contributions, which can be used by inmates to buy food and drinks and hygiene products. Teenage girls, women, and older men are sending Cruz correspondence. I reserve the right to care about you, Nicholas. A woman from Texas wrote in a greeting card six days after the shooting. 
The card has an illustration of a rabbit holding binoculars as it looks out to the ocean with the caption, out of sight, but never out of mind. In another letter, overcome with hearts and happy faces drawn by hand, a Texas teenager told Cruz that when she saw his face on television, something attracted me to you. Your eyes are beautiful and the freckles on your face make you so handsome, the letter reads, with the writer describing herself as a really skinny, white, high school senior with big brown eyes and 34C-sized breasts. I don't know my breast sizes. Are those normal? Why would you know either? Oh, wow. Uh, a Chicago, I don't, seriously, I don't know. Is she bragging about the size? I or, believe she is bragging, right. yes. A Chicago woman sent Cruz nine suggestive photos, including one of a shot of cleavage and another in a bikini. A man from New York sent Cruz a card with a cat in front that included photos of himself behind the wheel of his 1992 Nissan convertible. An 18-year-old from New York told Cruz to hang in there and keep your head up. People are also joining Facebook and other online communities to discuss how to help the gunman. The accused gunman hashtags are being spread by sympathizers showing support for Cruz. Broward County Public Defender Howard Finkelstein's office is representing Cruz. Finkelstein told the Sun Sentinel he has never seen a defendant receive so many letters in his 40 years as a public defender. Cruz has not yet seen the correspondence because he is on suicide watch, according to Finkelstein. Other than legal mail, Broward County jail workers open inmates mail per Broward County Sheriff's Office procedure. We read a few religious ones to him that extended wishes for his soul, Finkelstein told the outlet, but we have not and will not read him the fan letters or share the photos of scantily clad teenage girls. Uh... Finkelstein said he worries that boys and girls across the country are idolizing Cruz and looking up to his fame and notoriety. The letters shake me up because they are written by regular, everyday teenage girls from across the nation, Finkelstein said. That scares me. It's perverted. We're not losing moral and ethical clarity. We've lost it. It's gone. It's gone. In a large segment of the population, it's gone. It's vanished. Well, we're we're in the we're in a position now of trying to build things back up. How can you, as a well, it's it's a struggle to to uh, to comment on this because it's it's being asked to comment on zero. It's being asked. Does that make sense? It's being asked, if you accept that moral and ethical clarity has vanished. It's it's tough to comment on. On the space it's left behind. You know who's empty space it's left behind. You know the quote that I want? I Hmm. want the quote from the father of one of these girls after he's learned that his daughter has sent love letters to a psychopath that murdered 17 innocent kids in a high school. I, I want the quote from that dad because if your daughter or anyone, but if your daughter is that clueless and lost some of that's on you oh absolutely and if not all of it i suppose this makes the case for news gatherers to never reveal the identity of a shooter a school shooter 
I, I personally don't think that's the answer to stop anything. The the answer is we have to rebuild moral and ethical clarity to push back. But there's a troubling theme growing with that particular age group. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about the 15 to 30 year old, maybe not quite 30, but the, the 15 to 25 year old crowd where fame is so desirable that mm-hmm. anything that will get you there is not unthinkable. And that's really troubling. These are uh, letters and cards uh, that find merit in evil. Yeah. I, I submit to you that that's, that's damn near the end. Well, that's the end. Now, obviously, in a country of 300 million or whatever we are, there's more teenagers not writing cruise letters than there are writing cruise letters. But the very fact that this segment of the population exists is a, is a cancer that's, that's eating away uh, at any efforts to make moral and ethical clarity important in these kids' lives. We need the moral and ethical clarity of the Australian Cricket Foundation. Yes. Uh, And when some of these kids are creating these online profiles of support for him, why are they... Why are they up? Why are they still? Why isn't someone flagging these and taking them down? Even though you're the director of social media, I've told you repeatedly that I think social media is part of our undoing. I I am starting to lean towards it. There are studies that show kids are happier when they're not on social media. They're more engaged. Uh, I hold social media accountable uh, uh, for a great deal of this, what you call this lust for fame. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, I don't think social media is beneficial to kids. Uh, I, I think it's a problem that we've, we're only beginning to see the rot that it's bringing about. And uh, even though I'm no longer surprised by anything, the degree to which he is receiving uh, accolades, uh, it, that is surprising. I can't... I can't uh, Well, I'm going to take a break. And I'm not sure the Pope is helpful. I'll tell you what I mean when we return. Just to bring this full circle, I forgot to to do the second part of the Australian cricket story. Oh. On social media, the Australian cricketeers who were photographed crying in their shame are now being relentlessly mocked. By fans by that the, are by the anonymous world of okay, social media okay. users. Sure, you know, sh- women shown wiping tears from their face with a piece of sandpaper and whatever. Ah, and they're so to a degree, they're clinging to the reverence of their ethic is being mocked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> What's the first one here, Mike? Uh Chris is Chris. Oh man, hi. Well, you know, these groupies for these evil people have been around for a long time. I mean, most notably, Ted Bundy, all the similar type women that he killed, from what he killed, were showing up in throngs to court. And 
you know, sending them love letters and marriage proposals and everything. So this isn't something totally new. It's just about taking new shape with social media and everything else. All right. Thank you. And this is, uh, that'd be Bill. Bill. Hey, Joe. Yes. Uh, good afternoon. Hail the flashlight. Hail you. You know, I, I agree with everything you said about Cruz and what concerns me obviously beyond the, these kids, is when it does it seep into the consciousness that this is okay, you know, that they'll want to imitate him. That, you know, why, why do school shootings start? You know, and I'm a dad, and it's a nervous time to be a dad with your kid in a school. Mm-hmm. And it, it kind of seeps into the consciousness that you're becoming a star, if you will, by committing such a heinous crime. Mm-hmm. And maybe it goes to your point of you don't give these people's names out. You don't. Yeah, something's going to have to be done because what's uh, terribly clear is that uh, there's a large segment of the society that has no grasp on their own uh, morality. Exactly, exactly. And it's just, I can't believe these kids. No. Nope. Um, uh, so anyway, thank you. Thank you, Joe. Who's this, Chris? That'd be Tom. Hi, Tom. Hey, Joe. Hi. A couple of quick points on this. So Reavers asks, you know, how would the father react if they learned that their daughter had sent a card to this guy? And I can't help but wonder as a cynic, you know, how many intact families are these girls coming from? Yeah. You know, I, I picture young adolescent girls who's, divorce moms are their best friend rather than a, an authority figure. Mm-hmm. Um, also, you're aware that we're, you know, combining infamy and fame. And a, a local story I bring to your attention, you heard about the 19-year-old killed on the party bus. Mm-hmm. And, you know, your very own newspaper posts a link to this guy's video where it's gang signs, profanity, and violence. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we get, we reap what we sow you know, to, to use the age-old phrase. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you, Joe, I mean, I don't mean to be alarmist, but there are days I shake my head and think that this is going to end with Christians versus the lions. I mean, I truly believe we're going to go the days of ancient Rome when murder is broadcast for all the life, for all the world to see, mm-hmm. for entertainment. I mean, there, there's just nowhere else to go but there. We have become so callous. All right, thank you. That's a dreadful, luck, dreadful thought. But I was mentioning the Pope before. Oh, yeah. The Pope says there's no hell. He's infallible. So does that mean there's no hell? Well, wait a minute. He's infallible on theological issues. Uh, in another interview with his longtime atheist friend, Eugenio Scalfari, Pope Francis claims that hell does not exist and that condemned souls just disappear. This is a denial of the 2,000-year-old teaching of the Catholic Church about the reality of hell and the external existence of the soul. The interview between Scalfari and the Pope was published March 28, that's yesterday, right, uh, in La Repubblica. The interview is headlined, The Pope, it is an honor to be called revolutionary. Uh, Scalfari says to the Pope, Your Holiness, in our previous meeting, you told me that our species will disappear in a certain moment and that God, still out of his creative force, will create new species. You have never spoken to me about the souls who died in sin and will go to hell to suffer it for eternity. You have, however, spoken to me of good souls admitted 
to the contemplation of God, but what about the bad souls? Where are they punished? Pope Francis says they are not punished. Those who repent obtain the forgiveness of God and enter the ranks of souls who contemplate him, but those who do not repent and cannot therefore be forgiven disappear. There is no hell. There is the dis- just the disappearance of sinful souls. That's letting a lot. Of, that's kind of letting you off the hook. Isn't it? It's also bad for business, isn't it? <laughs> it's Hollywood. That's amazing. The Catechism of the Church states the teaching of the Church affirms the existence of hell and its eternity. Uh, immediately after death, the souls of those who die in a state of mortal sin descend into hell, where they will suffer the punishments of hell, eternal fire. The chief punishment of hell is eternal separation from from God, in whom alone man can possess the life and happiness to which he was created and for which he longs. Uh, and it goes on here to cite more and more of the catechism readings. But the Pope, uh, you know, the Pope's, he he's, he's the last word. He's the last word. Right. I don't know whether to be nervous or happy. Well, I think you want to be nervous. <laughs> Uh, we'll be back shortly, but now thanks to our great friends in Owatonna, Minnesota, at Federated Insurance, where it's their business to protect your business, and nobody does that better than Federated. It's Bruce Vale from the Wall Street Journal in Your Money Now, and I love your idea about ending this market an hour earlier. Yeah, well, we'd, we'd be uh, stuck with really nice gains today, so we'll see how it works out. One time, one time though, Joe, I was staying in a cabin out in the woods. Mm-hmm. The only TV show you could watch was The View. Really? Yeah, that was hell. That, that is boom, boom, boom. <laughs> Big gains on Wall Street today, and we will see if the market can hold them. And actually, the Dow Jones Industrial Average has just dropped about 20 points in the last 10 seconds. However, it's still up 387 points. So we'll see if we end the week with a strong gain because the markets will be closed tomorrow for Good Friday. The NASDAQ Composite ahead 134 points, and the S&P 500 right now is up 43 points. If you're looking Looking to put your home up for sale this spring, the real estate website Zillow says the best two-week period to list it will be May 1st through May 15th. That's based on an analysis of 24 of the nation's largest markets, so it doesn't really apply everywhere, but homes listed during that time period sell on average two weeks faster and for $2,400 more. Zillow says, generally speaking, late spring will be the best time to sell this year because of the prevailing market trends. This spring is shaping up to be the most competitive spring home buying season in years. Consequently, by late spring, buyers may be more eager to get into a home if they've already suffered through multiple failed bids earlier. I'm Bruce Vail with your money now on 1500 ESPN. I'm being informed by an emailer uh, who linked me to the story from Reuters. The Vatican is denying mm-hmm. that the Pope uh, said there is no hell. They're, uh, yeah. they're rebuking La Publica and saying Scalfari is noted he's in his 90s and he's noted for never taking notes or taping his interviews. And the Vatican is vehemently denying that the Pope said there is no hell. So he's like Jim Klobuchar. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. 
Uh, here's John. Hi. I was make gonna, it up as we go along. Yeah. I was going to bring that in for you too, Joe. Apparently, he reconstructs from memory. Yeah. And they're saying he didn't reconstruct correctly. <laughs> okay. So, anyway, right. uh, sunny and 37 degrees. This update brought to you by the Duluth Trading Company. Visit the uh, the Duluth Trading Company stores in Fridley, Bloomington, Woodbury, and downtown Duluth. The Twins are underway. Jake Odorizzi. I would know. The twins. I've been. Focused. Are you laser focused? A little bit. What are the commercial it on? I'll put it on for you because we're going right to chicken talk. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'm I'm happy. Why I was very worried about this yesterday. I didn't know how that. I know. I took care of you. I'm, I, I did I, the homework. I appreciate that. Yeah. Like, like I told Chris, that's the difference between me and Joe. Yeah. He's curious enough to look it up. I was I just curious. It. I love when the curiosity <laughs> oh, gets could, the best of the I got more. I'm going to tell you about Mike the Headless Chicken. All He's right. the world record wait. holder. Does he have a fan club? Does he have a fan club? Well, you're going to hear all about it. You're going to learn more than you ever wanted to. Twins Orioles are tied zip zip in the second. Uh, first two twins hit the ball to the warning track, and then in the second inning, Eddie Rosario hit uh, what looked like a home run. It was taken away from him by the uh, Baltimore right fielder who caught the ball just as it was heading over the fence. So, we call those a couple of loud outs, Mayor. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I'm aware of that term. Zip zip in the second. Carl Anthony Towns with a franchise record 56 points and 15 rebounds. The Timberwolves beat Atlanta last night. Up next for the Wolves, they are at Dallas tomorrow evening. So, uh, so KG, for example, never got to 56 points. That's nope. correct. Wow. Nope. Uh, the Wild are in action at home tonight. Didn't you have an affinity for Mo Williams, the guy that had the 52? I don't know. I remember. Why would it, I have an affinity? Well, you there was something you would you liked about him, and I don't recall what it was. I thought maybe I you'd either. remember. No, hmm. the wild and somebody else. I'm who thinking. was Mo Williams? The guy, he's that, the he's, guy who had the record. who had the record. What was it? Fifty-two. Fifty-two. Yeah. And that was just what a few years. It wasn't that right? long ago. Yeah. yeah. Wild in action at home tonight. They'll play Dallas at the Excel Energy Center. I like the name Mo. No. <laughs> I remember what it was well, now. That when Mo Williams scored fifty-two. That was the dawn of why can't he do that every night? <laughs> oh yeah, well uh, that's so, what it and, was. And in fact, I should add, why can't Towns do this every See, night? See, there, that, <laughs> I knew there was something <laughs> yeah. about Mo Williams right. that that uh, led me to wonder. News notes from today. Minnesota has joined a lawsuit filed by California's Attorney General to block the Trump administration's decision to add a citizenship question to the 2020 Census questionnaire. California Attorney General uh, he, uh, Attorney General Xavier Becerra filed the federal lawsuit yesterday. Minnesota and several other states have joined in, while officials in other states are thinking about their own lawsuits against the plan. Democrats fear the question will lead immigrants to dodge the survey altogether, diluting political representation for states that tend to vote Democratic and rob many communities of federal dollars. The administration says the data is needed to better identify voting rights violations. Today, a group of 21 Democratic Minnesota state representatives signed a letter thanking State Attorney General Lori Swanson for joining in with California's lawsuit. House Republicans are upping the ante to fund school security enhancements. Governor Dayton previously called for $21 million bucks to help schools across Minnesota hire more school counselors and to pay for improvements like secure entrances or bulletproof glass. House Republicans said today they want to put $50 million in a dedicated fund. The new funding would let schools use the money how they see fit for school resource officers, security cameras, threat assessments, and more. The health of that Russian former double agent's daughter is improving rapidly in a United Kingdom hospital, and she was no longer in critical condition. That announcement coming from British health officials today. The suspected target of the Novichok nerve agent attack, Sergei Skripal, remains in critical but stable condition. 
The trust said in a statement that Yulia, who's in her mid-30s, was improving rapidly, is no longer in critical condition. Dr. Christine Blanchard, medical director for Salisbury District Hospital, said in a statement Yulia had responded well to treatment but continues to get expert clinical care. 24 hours a day. Also, uh, British police are now saying the scripples were probably poisoned at the front door of the former spy's house in Salisbury in southwestern England. The highest concentration of nerve agent found so far was on the scripples' front door. Detectives say they plan to focus their investigation in the surrounding area. So I take it a very small amount of this stuff can wreak havoc. Yes. Uh, When they originally announced what it was, Mm -hmm. uh, I did read that. Secretary of Defense James Mattis' first-ever meeting with John Bolton, President Trump's latest pick for national security advisor, started off with a laugh as the secretary joked that he had heard Bolton is the devil incarnate. Secretary can be heard saying in an off-mic moment, Ambassador Bolton, good to see you. Thanks for coming, and it's finally good to meet you. I've heard you're actually the devil incarnate, and I did want to meet you. Bolton laughed at the remark as the two entered the Pentagon for their official meeting, meeting the first for the two as Bolton is set to officially replace Lieutenant General H.R. McMaster as National Security Advisor on April 9th. Speculation concerning Bolton's ability to work well with Mattis has circulated in recent weeks. Bolton has argued for military intervention against North Korea as well as completely abandoning the Iran nuclear deal. Mattis, however, has tried to dispel concerns about their working relationship, saying he was confident in a partnership developing between the two. Federal judge in California put a temporary stop today to efforts by Stormy Daniels' attorney to depose President Trump and his personal lawyer, Michael Cohen, over that $130,000 payout from Cohen to the porn star before the 2016 election. Judge James O'Tour of the U.S. District Court for the Central District of California denied the motion for an expedited trial and discovery process, saying Daniels' attorney, Michael Avenatti, was premature in making the motion because Trump and Essential Consultants, LLC, the company established by Cohen to pay Daniels, had not yet filed a petition to compel arbitration, which they have stated they are going to do. President Trump personally telephoned Roseanne Barr. (laughs) On on reviving... uh, God, give me satellite radio. On reviving her sitcom. And, Joe, I want you to know, I added this because... It was uh, the original copy said on reviving her iconic sitcom. Really? (laughs) To thank her for her support and to chat about her TV ratings. With stellar ratings for the sitcom, Roseanne Barr's week got even better as President Trump picked up the phone. You guys can see Joe. Personally offered his congratulations yesterday. I, I, I don't know what to think. The New York Times first reported that Trump called Barr and they spoke about the ratings. ABC Comedy averaged a massive 18.1 million viewers and a 5.1 rating in the key demo. Today, the comedian herself called into Good Morning America to say she was grateful for the viewers, including the president. She said it was pretty exciting, I'll tell you that. They said, hold please for the president of the United States of America. That was about the most exciting thing ever. Did she throw an F-bomb at him? No, no. uh, I have a question. Yeah. You watched it. I did. Would it be? Would this be a fair statement? Because I did read uh, that she has uh, sent a thunderbolt through the industry with these ratings, uh-huh. right? Did you, did you have you followed that? Uh, uh, yeah. yeah. Would it be fair to say her show uh, in its comeback uh, would fall under the rubric of this is why Trump got elected? In other words. TV uh, is so poor now. No, in other words, oh. it's she does not re- represent in this fictional character a a liberal worldview. I take it. No, she's a Trump supporter. The character. All right. 
as as Roseanne Barr is in real right, life. Right, I know that. Yeah. Yes, and her you know you don't know the show, right? So you don't know the show. Oh characters. my god, John. I've never watched it and I never well, will. Well, it was a fine show in its day. John. Well, it's not Any, my cup of tea. Let's Any, leave it at that. Anyway, the sister in the show is uh, it was a Hillary supporter. Uh-huh. Uh, so see there's that dynamic, but they okay. don't they only play off that for a couple of minutes and then you, know, you should I, tune in. Yeah. Uh, but Trump called her, huh? Yeah, and Rosanna added, I've known him for many years. He's done a lot of nice things for me over the years. It was just a friendly conversation about work, about television, and about ratings. He understands ratings and how they measure things, and that's kind of been an interest of mine, too, for a long time. In total viewers, Roseanne's second coming made it the highest-rated sitcom broadcast in more than three years. ABC Entertainment President Channing Dungy said Roseanne's early success was, quote, a win for all of broadcasts. Oh, Please stop! Stop! <laughs> Is Sandra Bernhardt on that show? Uh, she was she in was. its original uh, formation of the show. I did. She was not on. There were two episodes the other night. She was not on either one. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if she'll return or not. Okay, that's great. <laughs> How you, you doing later. over there? Yeah. <laughs> Here's Dave Dahl. Thank you, Joe. We're up to 37 degrees, heading for a high today of around 40. Mostly clear skies tonight. It's going to get chilly down to 24. Some rain, sleet, and snow possible tomorrow morning. And again in the evening tomorrow. The middle part of the day should be dry, but still cool. 41 for the high. Northwest winds at around 5 to 10. The morning commute could be a little bit slowed because of that rain and sleet combination. And then rain, snow likely tomorrow night and becoming all snow by early Saturday morning. Maybe a coating in some areas. I think the heaviest snow is going to be to our north where there is a winter storm. Watch out. That means anywhere from around seven, five to 7 inches possible north of a line from around St. Cloud over toward Hinkley. Um, the central and northern parts of the state will probably see that snow linger through about midday on Saturday. Sunday for all of us, partly cloudy skies. going to be cool, though. 36 for the high for Easter. Light rain and snow mixed again for Monday into Tuesday. Temperatures stay in the 30s most of next week. Right now it's 37, Joe. And I have the records for the day. March 29. 83 on this date. 83. In 1986. In 1986. Five below zero. Five below. In 1969. In 1969. Thank you. Thank you, Joe. All right, if you want to know about chickens, you've come to the right place. Boy, this has been the ultimate tease in Garage Logic today. Yesterday, Hyde had on the news the headless chicken in Thailand that's now living for what people believe to be the seventh day. And some monks are now taking care of it. Uh, from the nearby temple in Ratchaburi province, mm-hmm. uh, a vet named Supakadi Arun Thong initially cared for the bird by dropping food down the old pie hole. <laughs> And giving it antibiotics. It doesn't. They don't know how it lost its head. They think it might have been attacked by another animal. Oh, okay. Uh, she said the animal has its life. If it wants to live, we feed it. But she fears its tongue will soon fall off as it dries out. Uh, local media claim it is at least seven days since it lost its head. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Hmm. You lost me. What do you mean? Boy, I'm I'm almost in violation of the cat scan. I haven't done it yet. I'd... Oh, why would it have a tongue if its head is cut off? Well, that and also, how does it how does it eat? Well, you just throw it down there. Just <laughs> take it, shove it down the hole. <laughs> okay. Uh, vet Supakadi said she was hoping someone would soon take the chicken off her hands. So what you're saying is you you can feed it. Oh yeah, you can get them. 
Who will take him and care for him? He will need lifelong care. Lifelong care. The thing might not make it another day. I have to admit that this chicken is a true warrior. All right. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not going to dispute that. All right. So so there you have over in uh, over in uh, Thailand, yep. the monks are the monks are in charge now, and they got this chicken, mm-hmm. and they think that's seven days. You know what? That's nothing compared to Mike the chicken. Uh, Mike the Headless Chicken was born April 20, 1945. Wow. And died March 17, 1947. Come on. I'm not kidding you. That was He was known as Miracle Mike. He was a Wyandotte chicken that lived 18 months after his head had been cut off. Uh, although the story was thought by many to be a hoax, the bird's owner took him to the University of Utah in Salt Lake City to establish the facts. On September 10, 1945, farmer Lloyd Olson of Fruita, Colorado, was planning to eat supper with his mother-in-law and was sent out to the yard by his wife to bring back a chicken. Olson chose a five-and-a-half-month-old Wyandotte chicken named Mike. The axe removed the bulk of the head but missed the jugular vein, leaving one ear and most of the brain stem intact. Due to Olson's failed attempt to behead Mike, the chicken was still able to balance on a perch and walk clumsily. He attempted to preen, peck for food, and crow, although with limited success. His crowing consisted of a gurgling sound because he didn't have the full equipment there. (laughs) When Mike did not die, Olson instead decided to care for the bird. He fed it a mixture of milk and water via an eyedropper and gave it small grains of corn. Once its fame had been established, Mike began a career of touring sideshows in the company of such other creatures as a two-headed baby. God help me. He was also photographed for dozens of magazines and papers and was featured in Time and Life magazine. Mike was put on display in the public for an admission of 25 cents. At the height of his popularity, the chicken's owner earned $4,500 a month. That's In today's money, that's almost $50,000 a month. And the uh, chicken was valued at ten grand In March 1947, at a motel in Phoenix... On a stopover while traveling back when they were on tour, sure. Mike started choking in the middle of the night. He managed to get oh, a kernel no. of corn down the old pipe, but the Olsons had inadvertently left their feeding and cleaning syringes at the sideshow the day before and were unable to save Mike. So the chicken was choking. Yeah. <laughs> That'll happen when he's headless. I think so. Yeah. Olson claimed that he had... Sold the bird off, resulting in stories of Mike still touring the country as late as 1949. Other sources say that the chicken's severed trachea could not properly take in enough air to be able to breathe, and it therefore choked to death in a motel room in Phoenix. That's a tough way to go. <laughs> kind of like a rock star. It really is. He died in a motel like, died room like in Phoenix. Mama Cass. He choked. <laughs> uh, okay. Mike the Headless Chicken is now an institution in Fruita, Colorado, with an annual Mike the Headless Chicken Day. No. The third weekend in May. It started in 1999. Events include the 5K run like a headless chicken race, the egg toss, pin the head on the chicken, and the chicken chuck clock off. And chicken bingo, in which chicken droppings on a numbered grid choose the numbers. Mike the Headless Chicken was an inspiration for the poultry-themed comedy punk band, the Radioactive Chicken Heads. Serving as the subject of their 2008 song, Headless Mike. Sure. All right. Now, so that's, so this chicken in Thailand's got, you know, 18 months to go. This is no record holder over there. Mike, right here, an American chicken is the record holder. You know, I hate to nitpick. I'm not done. 
Okay. I'm a, you're getting the full education here. Now, why can chickens live with their head cut off? You I'm, might be asking. I, I have been wondering that this entire time. Modern Farmer has the explanation behind how the animals can survive decapitation. The answer often lies in the way chickens are killed. If a butcher slices a chicken's head too high, the slice may miss the jugular veins. A too high slice can also take away the chicken's forebrain, but leave the brain, stem, and cerebellum, allowing the bird to continue moving and, in some cases, breathing. Dr. Wayne J. Kenzel, a poetry, a poetry, a poultry, physiologist and neurobiologist at the University of Arkansas told modern farmer that chicken skulls have larger than normal eye openings, allowing the brain to move higher in the skulls post slice, whatever that means, because the brain is at that angle. You still have that functional part that's so critical for survival intact. Dr. Kenzel told modern farmer. However, modern farmer does have a caveat. Just because your chicken dances upon impact does not necessarily mean that it's still alive. A headless chicken could actually be dead but have nerves that are still moving. This minute you separate the brain from the neck, just like humans, you're going to get death. So what? What? So on Mike, out in out in Colorado, uh-huh, uh-huh. back in the late forties, you know he he missed and he left enough of the brain intact. And the same sure. thing, the same thing with this chicken in Thailand. Uh, you know, if an animal bit off its head, for example, they didn't get the critical stem. Got it. And so there you have the. Uh, now I have, you you have learned more here about chickens than elsewhere by accident. Yes. Than elsewhere by design. I needed to get something else off my chest. Pioneer Press had a piece about a vegan bakery. In White Bear. White Bear Lake's only vegan bakery? Mm-hmm. Well, you don't make cupcakes with meat. Wouldn't wouldn't all bakeries be vegan? I had the same question. Apparently, there is a section of uh, vegans. Oh, I'm going to butcher this. I'm not... Is there meat products in, in bakery goods? Well, there are some that... Uh, I got to... I got a text. You know what? I'm not going to. I was going to take a stab at it, but I'm I'm going to say the wrong thing and then I'm going to get FYI'd by 100,000 people. Well, I I mean, a vegan bakery, that's nothing. It's isn't it fated by being baked that it's like a cookie is not that's vegan. It's anything relating to animal something or other parts. Nah. Like a headless chicken. Yeah, kind of. 1500 ESPN what? is KSTP, St. Paul, Minneapolis.